You are listening to Oliver Dixon on the Station of the Year. About six or so years ago when President Ramaphosa became the president of the country prior to that 2019 election, he became the president of South Africa in 2018, very early on in the year, he announced uh, the end, or so to speak, he announced government's attempt to reinvite the investment community to invest in South Africa. They had what they called, whether mythical or not, an investment boycott following the years of Jacob Zuma. Soon thereafter, we started hearing the buzzword, nine wasted years. President Ramaphosa then said to the world, South Africa's open for business, please come and invest. And he started hosting, for the last couple of years, investment conferences on an annual basis. He announced at the time a 1.2 trillion rand investment target, and he went on a crusade across the world, activating some of that investment. He also then appointed an investment envoy, uh, of which... uh, continued the work of going around the world and saying, hey, look, there are investment opportunities in South Africa. Has the investment boycott ended is the real question. Has the 1.2 trillion rand of investment that they claim actually taken place and has it yielded any economic growth and dividend? And what are we to make of this? Or is this all just a glorious PR stunt? Dr. Busima Vuso is with us. She's the CEO of leadership South Af- Business Leadership South Africa, as well as serving on the Board of Business Unity South Africa. Sis Busi, thank you so much for your time this evening. Really do appreciate it. Oliver, good evening, and thank you very much for inviting me. 1.2 trillion rand. Is it real, or is this phantom investments? <laughs> you know, if it were real, I think... Look, I think it is real, but uh, was it all on infrastructure investment, I think not, right? Uh, was it all new money? I think not. You know, I really think that companies um, also reported OPECs and investments yeah. that, you know, were already underway. Maybe they were adding more money to those investments. But remember, we're also in the era of load shedding for quite some time now. You know, a lot of us and a lot of companies saw the issue of these rolling blackouts coming from quite a while back because all the indicators were there. The state capture project sought to hollow out the state institutions and ESCOM was the biggest uh, victim, right, because of its size, because of the huge balance sheet and one of the cases. So we knew, you know, that the energy issue was going to come. So I think a lot of the investment also went into putting in place alternative sources of energy which wouldn't have translated into direct jobs within those companies. And I, I don't know if yeah. we therefore count that as infrastructure investment spending. You know, it did create jobs, obviously, you know, in this particular sector, but not the jobs that we were looking for. So I really think that it's a mix of all those yeah. things. Um, but yeah, the money was spent. Was it all on infrastructure investment? I don't think so, Oliver. Look, if you don't answer my next question, it's fine because it's a little bit of an unfair question, right? But if you were to take a speculative thumb suck as to how much of that 1.2 trillion rand was actual new investment money and not just companies going there announcing their operational expenditure, capital expenditure that they had long budgeted and claiming that it's an investment at the behest of re-believing in South Africa's investability case and uh, falling for Ramaphoria, how much of it do you think was real money? No, looking at where we are sitting, Oliver, um, we have gotten worse ever since the investment uh, conferences started. And I'm not saying that there is a direct correlation. I'm just saying that 
there was no money coming into the economy, then it would have been evident on the ground, right? But right. all the metrics that we check for economic, for economic prosperity, you know, for the state of the economy improving, have not been improving. You know, unemployment has gotten worse, poverty levels have gotten worse. Of course, there's been the impact of COVID as well. So, I don't know, you know, less yeah. than 40%, you know, because obviously the evidence on the ground is telling us something different. I'm also not seeing cranes going up, you know, in the light mm. of Benzin and Midrand, you know, and in all those metros. So... Honestly, it, 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 it's quite a low number, you know, a uh, mm, small mm. amount of, of new money that would have gone in. In the, in the, in the industry of um, renewable energy, though, uh, I'm sure that amount is, 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 um, is, is um, a little bit higher. But also, maybe the other thing we should take into account, Oliver, is that, you know, these renewable projects, you know, have a long lead time before right. actually, right? So maybe the money is actually being invested, but there, there isn't anything to show for it yet because these things still continue to be under construction. So companies really don't have, so there isn't evidence in the economy mm. yet, you know. So we'll probably maybe rip the benefits, you know, in a few years, but just, 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 just not yet. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not sure how much of a percentage to put on, on the new money that is actually coming. Right. And it, thank you for making that little bit of a detour uh, because I, I, I want to ask you a footnote question here and then circle back to the investment question. Around energy, we yeah. know that we have a demand of a what? 32,000 megawatts in South Africa, and that is the demand, that we, ongoing demand. We have an installed capacity of about 46,000 megawatts, but we're not even operating nearly at half of that uh, availability uh, or installed capacity. What's available is far less than half of it, or at least at half of it at the moment. Um, and we know what the bid windows have opened for IPPs is about 6,000 megawatts of renewable energy projects. Um, and the lead time is a very long time. Just given that you were still on ESCOM's board at the time, those conversations were happening, at what point will we see the bids that went out for the 6,000 megawatts actually come onto the grid? You know, when you take into account the, 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 the delays that actually uh, were experienced by those big windows, I mean, just bid window five, you yeah. know, uh, a lot of those projects have actually not reached financial flows. So if those projects have not reached financial flows, you know, when will they actually get onto, you know, uh, uh, into stream and into the grid, you know, as, as it were. But I think a number that was thrown out the other day was about um, 10,000 megawatts, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to the tune of about... 160, but please don't quote me on these numbers, yeah. Oliver, to the tune of about 160 billion rand, you know, in the pipeline, as it were. It's also interesting because it seems as if, depending on who you speak to, the number and the number of megawatts on the pipeline actually, you know, change. And I think this is probably maybe the crisis that has been created by the fact that we are not getting constant reports from NECOM, because NECOM yeah. is now the institution that can actually tell us the right number, you know, to say since. Uh, with the big windows, with the embedded generation, with NASA having lifted uh, the limits, you know, in terms of self-generation, this is how much is sitting in the pipeline. And I think they're able to track it, you know, yeah. as well, 
Oliver to say in the next 12 months, in the next 24 months, in the next 36 months, because that is the kind of precision that we actually need to understand. Mm. Because then you need to be able to, and I guess, you know, in line with the investment conference, if I can just segue there, the, the investors will bring their money into the country, you know, with that kind of precision and with that kind of certainty. Remember, investors are not saying that we want to come into a ready environment, an environment that is already, you know, working, an environment that uh, uh, we like. But they are saying, even though we don't like the environment, even if there are complexities, but can we just know what Mm. we are working with, right? Mm. And I think as long as they know that I'm just going to have to withstand the energy crisis for the next 12, 24 months. I'm going to have to make uh, uh, interventions and alternative uh, uh, um, uh, plans, you know, to make sure that I, 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 the, the, the lights stay on. But in the next 24 months, then I know that so much megawatt will be added into the mm, grid and mm. I think will only go up to stage three load sharing in other cases. Now, that is the kind of information that is currently not coming out from NECOM, you know, but maybe let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I know a lot of work is actually being done on that front. I mm. know with the resource mobilization fund, 100 million that business has put up, we are now procuring capacity that is actually going to give that type of meat, you know, mm. into the plan, you know, that uh, that uh, that NECOM is, is, is working with. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess the, the, the pipeline and the numbers and the delays and, and, and really what, yeah. what, what, what's happening, yeah, your, your guess is as good as mine, and I <laughs> yeah. think it depends on who you are talking to. Uh, this is a little bit of a naughty question. On the night President Ramaphosa announced uh, that he would be appointing a Minister of Electricity, what was your immediate visceral reaction? You know, honestly, my immediate reaction was no, no, we don't add more complexity into this thing, right? You already have ESCOM being pulled into a whole lot of different directions. You already have, you know, the Minister of uh, 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 Public Enterprises. You already have the Minister um, uh, of uh, DMRE, who are actually direct ministers into ESCOM. But ESCOM also gets pulled into uh, the environmental, you know, uh, minister, whatever that ministry mm, is called. Mm. You know, they yeah, also yeah, have yeah. to report to Treasury. They also, honestly, when you talk to ESCOM executives, Half of their time is spent putting reports together for all these committees and all these ministries that they actually have to report. So I really thought that it was really, you know, adding uh, complexity into an already uh, uh, complex situation. And I wasn't in support, you know, uh, at all, Uh, because I don't think that we're clearly defined the responsibilities that the minister was actually going to be assigned to, you know, and how those. Uh, uh, will relate to that of the Minister of Public Enterprises, you know, as well as the Minister of Minerals uh, Resources. You know, um, the legislated responsibilities could not have been reassigned to the Minister of Electricity, you know, unless you go and change, I don't know, policies and whatever the case is. It wasn't also clear what the the legislative function of such a ministry was actually going to be, you know, and... uh, in terms of where things were, um, we, we, we needed to drive and complete the restructuring of ESCOM, the unbundling, yeah. an independent system operator is the main step. And uh, I, 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 I want to actually want to ask you if you think that much progress has been made on that. But before I ask you that question, I want us to take a quick break. Give me a call, 86 2032 
Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. I'm in conversation with Sisbusi Mavuso, the CEO of Business Leadership South Africa. Sisbusi, before we went to that break, I, I, I flagged that I want to ask you about uh, the unbundling of ESCOM. It's nearly been four years now since the appointment of, of Freeman uh, as the chief restructuring officer of ESCOM. Four years on, has there been any substantial and significant progress in the restructuring of ESCOM to finally and ultimately enabled to be it to be unbundled? You know, Oliver, we're actually sitting with the National Transmission Company of South Africa already established. It is a legal entity that has actually been set up. Already the board that I uh, set in, you know, of that time had already given names, uh, what is it now, 2023, I'm sure towards the end of uh, 2021 or mid-2021, if I'm not mistaken, but I know when we counted, it was more than a year after we had actually given names to uh, DPE uh, of the board that should be appointed in the uh, National uh, Transmission Company of South Africa to get the company to be operating as it should, you know, to expedite the unbundling, to actually, you know, uh, already move ahead and accelerate the issue of looking at the ESCOM balance sheet and looking at what assets need to move, you know, into the National Transmission Company and also make sure, you know, that the conversation with the funders happened, which they had already started, by the way, you know, to say, will will they not view the moving of the assets, you know, as as a heightening of the risk, you know, on their side, and, and, you you know, all those things that needed to happen. And we sit here today, you know, almost two years later, those names that were actually given to DPE for the appointment of that board, the recommendation of the board, you know, have gone into some deep dark holes and we haven't gotten a response. And I think this is the tragedy, right? We, 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 we know what needs to be done. We seem to be obsessed about making the announcements, but when we therefore have to follow through and implement what needs to be implemented, you know, that is not coming. So we're long on planning and but very short on execution. So the unbundling process should, should have been finished. You know, when, when I left that board, we were actually saying we had put a target of registering the distribution company of South Africa. I don't know what we're going to name it, but the distribution would have been registered as a legal entity by 31 December 2022. You know, I obviously left before then. I don't know if that went ahead, but I know that the reason why we hadn't finalized that was, I think, you know, outstanding issues from both DPA and National Treasury. So um, so we are not moving at a fast enough pace uh, to intervene on these issues. Is Minister Praveen Gordon standing in the way of ESCOM's reconfiguration and, I guess, rebuilding it? You know, it, 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 I, I don't think so, you know, uh, not him directly, right? Uh, because as I said to you, ESCOM is, uh, there's a part of it that has got to do with the environmental, there's yeah. a part of it that has got to do with DPE, with DMRE, you know, with the president directly, with NASA, you know, with a national treasury. So I, I think when when an entity is going to be pulled in so many different directions, then you can imagine that, there's going to be delayed decision making. Mm. You know, you can't make a decision just from consulting one stakeholder, right? You're going to have to get a a whole lot of these stakeholders agreeing on the same thing, you know? So it's easier said than done. So I I, I, I think 
PG knows what needs to be done. He is in support of what needs to be done. But the final decision doesn't lie with him, right? And I, I mean, with, just with the appointment sure. of the boss. You know, he doesn't approve those names. They go into, I don't even know where they go to, Oliver. Is it the ANC, NEC, or whatever? <laughs> but I know it's got something to do with the ANC. And yeah. you look at it and you're saying, but why? Why yeah. does the political party have to appoint both? And I think the SAPC board is sitting with the same problem, you know, at the moment. You know, to say, at, at, at what level do these things get approved? So I think it's that type of interference, right, and, and, and convolution and complexity that ends up, you know, delaying decisions in the public sector. Yeah. Just back to the investment question. Does South Africa have an investability case? You know, we we do. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities that actually exist in the country, but let's not forget that with every opportunity, there is a risk matrix that is attached to it. And we're therefore going to have to answer the question of is that risk metric, you know, low enough or is there enough appetite, you know, for companies to take up that risk metric? You know, so we are an investable destination, but are we attractive enough, you know, is, is actually what we're going to have to answer for the, for, the, for the investor community. Because we, for instance, had this conference today, Oliver, you know, during a stage six load chain, yeah. right? We are told that 15 billion rand, you know, is what uh, uh, the, 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 the energy crisis costed the economy in 2022. You know, CEOs are sitting with tough questions, especially those that are principals outside of the country, sitting with tough questions of having to answer what is happening in the country and having to put in place scenario planning for a blackout in South Africa. The international community is not talking about if the blackout happens, they are saying when the blackout, blackout happens, yeah. are you actually going to be ready? Right? So that is the energy part. And from a and logistics perspective, that is another serious disaster. The Minerals Council is telling us that they've actually lost about 50 billion rand of revenue due to the dysfunctionality of and logistics. You know, and you therefore look at it and you're saying, if you are trying to drive an export-led strategy from a growth perspective, you know, will we be able to achieve that if we can't get our goods to market? Because when all is said and done, it is not countries that compete, it is supply chains that compete. Mm. You know, those countries that have got strong enough supply chains to get goods to market, you know, at a cheaper price as quickly as possible and whatever the cases, are the ones who are actually going to be winners. And then from a crime and corruption perspective, South Africa is now sitting at number 79 mm. on the list of fragile states. Out of 110 79 countries in 2019 we were number 85 so the higher up the list means that it's not good yeah you know a, a characterization of a fragile state means that you've got a weak or ineffective government it means that there's no provision of services or weak provision of public services it means that the corruption and criminality is on the rise it means there is a sharp economic deadline and that is the environment within which we find ourselves but over and above these which are the main issues that the president had to talk to today you see sitting in a low economic growth trap environment. The predictions are that the economy is only going to go at 0.2% this year. You know, the state weakness and the political instability is a serious growing concern. You know, the social instability that is fueled by social dislocation is also growing, you know, and put on on, on top of that, we have been grey-listed as a country. So you therefore look at it and say, you know, how strong is the business case for South Africa in as far as investment is concerned? And Oliver, the reality is that there is a shift 
from South Africa to East Africa, especially by yeah. US, uh, United uh, States-based companies, due to the political uncertainty and the lack of conducive environment. On, so yes, there are opportunities, yeah. but our risk metrics is currently high. On all those performance indices that you had just uh, outlined over there, does President Ramaphosa have the answer to the tough questions that emanate from them? He gave a very plausible speech today, right, uh, about what we are doing as a country, about what, how we are intervening. And I think it was very candid. He didn't try at all to try and, you know, uh, downplay the problems that South Africa is facing. And I think he went into quite a lot of detail, especially on the energy front, you know, because this is the biggest other trust around our neck as a country, you know, to talk about what we are doing. But I guess... We've been talking about the energy crisis for a while. We have known about the energy crisis for a while. We could have brought the private sector generation and investment, you know, at a much more faster pace. You know, the yeah. issue of embedded generation could have been done. So it, 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 I, I wonder how believable and how... Okay, so, yeah, because that believability is question is a, is, a, is a tough one. So maybe, maybe, okay. let me ask this question a lot more bluntly. When you speak to your member CEOs, Collectively, what is their attitude and 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 um, you know trust in President Ramaphosa? Does the business community of South Africa have faith in President Ramaphosa? You know, before I address the faith issue, let me address the frustration issue. And I think we've seen Oliver that a lot of CEOs have actually come out, you know, expressing their deep concern and their frustration about where the country and the economy is. You know, and I think from a state perspective, we, still, we know that the president gets it. We had a meeting with him yesterday, by the way, he announced that at the investment conference to talk about resuscitating the social compact discussions and the issues that business and government are going to have to collaborate on. And we're going to set that process in motion very soon. You know, so we still do believe, you know, that the president, number one, he gets it. He knows what needs to be done. Uh, we know and we understand that there are complexities within which the within the environment in which you operate. Um, but of course, that doesn't take away the frustration. You know, uh, we know that we can't wish the president and government away. We know that yeah. the only government we have, we actually have to find a way of working with them. You know, but the, the frustration is growing, uh, uh, Oliver. And I worry that the growing frustration means a redirection in investment. You know, yeah. it means business confidence is plummeting. You know, it means the investment that we're trying to bring into the country. If your own CEOs in the country, you know, have, have got a low business, confidence then what about the international community so and i think these are all the things yeah. that you know government is going to have to seriously look at so in short your answer is the business community has no choice but to have faith in the administration that is if we didn't have faith that would mean we would be throwing our throwing our hands up in the air and we'd be right. saying, this is too difficult we can't but do we have that choice business is the only social partner with disproportionate resources and with the necessary means you can intervene meaningfully with the problems that yeah. we have in the country so we have no choice but to roll up our sleeves and say how do we work with government to make the south african economy turn the corner right uh, so faith is there that's why we keep on keeping at it that's why we've set up the 100 million for NICOM. that's why we've committed to set up a, a more funds, another hundred million for parts and logistics, you know, and sure. all the other interventions that are required. So faith is definitely still there. Uh, uh, we have to. We have okay. To. My actual last question, maybe just give me a number. Yeah, the scale is one to ten, one being terrible, ten being great. What would you rate uh, the president's investment drive over the last five years? 
they've achieved, the 1.2 trillion that they actually wanted to achieve, then I guess uh, uh, it's, it's probably an eight. Uh, okay. I think nothing is perfect, so I won't give it a ten. <laughs> but I guess from the investment conference intervening in the economy, then it's definitely between a three and a four, uh, Oliver, because the economy has gotten worse ever okay. since, you know, for, for the last five years. So I, I don't think there's no evidence on the ground. You know, if there is, there is very little evidence. South Africans are clearly not seeing the evidence. You know, yeah. Maybe it will still come, but I, I guess then it's, 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 it's between a three and a four. Three and a half, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sisbusi Mavusa, thank you so much for answering some of my really awkward and blunt questions. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Oliver. Nice to you. We're going to be taking a quick, short break. On the other side of that, we talk, we ask the question, 